Coming up in this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast, Will and I sit down to discuss the cult classic 1993 film Super Mario Brothers, starring John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins, a.k.a. John and Bob's Excellent Adventure. Stay tuned for more right after this. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The the Irreverent Nerds! Nerds, I have some exciting news to share. As of today, we are now offering a monthly subscription service for our listeners. For the low price of $2.99 per month, subscribers will gain access to two bonus episodes and an invitation to one Zoom gathering a month. Additionally, every subscriber will be entered into a monthly drawing for an appropriately nerdy prize. Click on the link in the episode description today to get started. We have just watched Super Mario Brothers. It's Mario Brothers, according to John Leguizamo, not Mario. It's Mario, right? Mario. Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 live-action cult classic. Cult? Yes. And we just have one question for you. Do you trust the fungus? Will, do you trust the fungus? I trust in the fungus. But how did this movie ever get made? <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's a podcast called How Did This Get Made? And it wouldn't surprise me if they've done an episode on this. But I have not heard it if they had, so we're not going to be retreading any of their... I want to watch that. <laughs> or listen to it. I want to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. How did this get made? So, plug for a, a cousin? But no. I want to listen to that They have no episode. idea we exist, so... I doubt that they would ever hear this, but you never know. You never know. I, so I love hey. this terrible film. <laughs> I want to I know everything about it. <laughs> I know. This is one of those where you're like, there's just something pleasant about walking down 90s nostalgia lane. Like I was excited. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I was excited going into this. And Are you still excited? I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> I knew it would be fun, you know, because like, movies like this, they're fun to make fun of, and then if there are aspects of it that surprise you, and you're like, hey, that's not, not that bad, then you, you can you can talk about that, too. And it's like, hey, you know, you, you go into it expecting to, to have some fun either way. <laughs> oh, yes. The fun we had. <laughs> we did indeed. And um, now, Will, this is your fourth or fifth time seeing the movie or, it's or like more? my kajillionth time seeing this movie i must have rented this vhs tape i don't know how many times when i was a kid i especially loved the dance scene about the uh <laughs> do the dinosaur because i was a kid everybody do the dinosaur or no was it everybody walk the dinosaur yeah everybody walk the everybody dinosaur. Walk right. the dinosaur which by the way i recognize that i was like where have i heard that and then i realized you it heard made, it, in the it 80s. made a little cameo <laughs> on one of the Ice Age films, uh, which obviously John Leguizamo voices Sid the oh. Sloth. Sid the Sloth. 
Well, it just comes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm sure. I'm sure that was his idea, or or it was the filmmaker's idea, just to poke fun at him. One of the two. Um, but that's I'd heard it. You know, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Of course they would put it in there. And, of course. Um, I must. I think it must have been the third one. Yeah, I know what it is. It's the end credits for the third Ice Age, where they where they meet the dinosaurs. Says everybody wants. A, everybody wants a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, which um, my kids like the Ice Age movies, and I do too, honestly. The first one's still the best. Um, but the third one's enjoyable because... Everybody you, loves Raymond. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Raymond's in it. And then you got Simon Pegg, who comes in on the third one, and uh, he plays... Oh, what's that character's name? Is he the pirate? No, no, no. That's the fourth one. The fourth, the fourth one fourth has one? pirates. The third one... How many did they make? Darn it. Uh, th- they're up to like five or six now. Um and I think John Leguizamo, his voice said for all of them, I'm pretty sure. I think they're on number five. Yeah. Now Disney owns it now because they bought Fox. Oh. So so now they're on Disney Plus. So I think they made an, a new one not too long ago that was only for Disney Plus. Really? I had no idea. Uh, you guys got that for free. When does the live action Ice Age come out? <laughs> <laughs> Never. This is what we want to know, Disney. We know right. you're making it. <laughs> My hair's not fat. It's poofy. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> I think I think I really hate the uh those Weasel brothers. Oh really? <laughs> they are annoying, which I think they're supposed to be. Um but yeah, the uh uh they're possums actually. Or like ancient well ancient possums. Ancient possums, yeah, like um prehistoric possums. So anyway, walk the dinosaur. Yeah, and then what? What was that song they were playing for the Goomba dance? <laughs> I think it was something from public domain that they <laughs> they didn't have to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. They spent all their money on those crazy cars. <laughs> oh my goodness! Of course, some of them were just so they took uh, what it looked like. Particularly the the police cars are the ones I noticed. The, the mo- I mean, they get the most screen time, I think. But they took um, early 90s, um, those like Chevy Caprice classics, you know, from the early 90s, those big tanks, you know, easy, one of those, you know, one of those American made cars that they used to see as a police car. They took those and, and they put what looked like a, a front end loader, um, like the bucket for a front end loader. They hooked it, like they welded it to the sides of the car. And uh, so it's out in front there, and uh, and they painted it blue, the same shade as the the police car. And uh, they had this wire up top like a bumper car. Well, yeah, because these were what electric vehicles, more or less. Like they were they were powered because like when the city power grid went down, or when they left the city, like when like Mario and Luigi were driving one at one point, and they went into a tunnel and they left the city grid, it lost power. So yeah. But it's really inconsistent because the Koopa Cousins had some sort of vehicle out there that I think had one of those wires coming off of it. But it worked just fine in the desert uh, before yeah. they crashed it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> We're jumping all around the place. Yeah. Well, th- this, is our, this is our intro, you know. So... Right off the bat here, uh, first re-impressions, um, how many nerd hats this time around? 
like what would you give this film? I know as a kid you would have given it a lot more, but like now as an adult revisiting it once again, how many nerd hats would you give it? I don't think I can be impartial. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much nostalgia here for Will, um, which I totally get that. Uh, it's a terrible film. I just I just love it for all of its terribleness, but it really is a bad. It's just it's not. It's so bad it's enjoyable. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not a Mario movie. It, it is, but it's not. I love Bob Hoskins as Mario. I do not like John Legu- John. What's his last name? Leguizamo. Yeah, Leg Leguizamo. I do not like him as Luigi. Hmm. But you know, I grew up watching. Well, I also grew up watching this. But you know, I was watching the Super Mario Super Show, and I'm I'm glad that the actors were younger, but not so glad that Luigi was that young. I mean, what what is he? Is he's I guess he's like, supposed to be early twenties. Yeah, are they even related in this film? Did Mario adopt Luigi? It sounded like it sounded like either he was like a maybe a, a cousin or a nephew. They don't really explain that, or he might have adopted him. He's like he's my father. No, he's my uncle. He's my brother. He's all those things. But yeah, I I don't know how many nerd hats I would give it because. Whatever I would give it is more than it deserves. <laughs> um, it really is. If if it wasn't for the nostalgia and just the pure spectacle of it all, that this was supposed to be a Mario movie, I really don't. I really don't know. I really don't. It lives up to all of its terribleness. But <laughs> is it a good film? No, it is not. Um. I don't know. Two or three nerd hats? I'm not that's probably too many. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna give it two. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking two. Um I, I thought about giving it two point five and and some of this is definitely the, the nostalgia factor, even for me. Like even though I realized as we were watching it's like I've actually never seen this. I it's one of those that it's just around like you I heard of it obviously a lot as a kid. I probably there's probably toys. I'm sure I probably had some of the toys or yes. saw the toys. Probably got a Happy Meal toy at some point. Who knows? I wanted um, those boots as a kid. <laughs> I want those boots? <clears throat> and uh, I thought I had seen it or at least seen part of it. But as we were watching, I was like, I haven't seen any of this. I've only maybe some clips or something at some point. <clears throat> so this was uh, I went in a Super Mario Brothers version. <laughs> well, this movie uh, uh, deflowered you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, in not the worst of ways. <laughs> Forcefully. Oh man! But the reason it, it felt so nostalgic, it, it evokes so many memories of like '80s sci-fi action films, like the production design in particular, like the city. Like it reminded me of of movies like Blade Runner, or there's a movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in. Oh, I cannot think of the name of it right now. But the, the the production design reminded me a lot of 80s sci-fi. And also another 90s sci-fi film. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you earlier today, Will, that I would compare it to, honestly, uh, is The Fifth Element with uh, Bruce Willis. Have you, you would, seen that? You would compare this to The Fifth Element? I would, actually. In terms of, like, the production design reminded me and even the tone, like the goofy, the goofiness of it, the tone, the tonality reminded me of the fifth element. But that's where the fifth element, I think, 
um, particularly with uh, the main female character, there's, there's something they're able to evoke enough seriousness into it that it didn't go total goofball. But it got pretty darn close, I have to admit. The fifth element is, is weird. I'm going to have to rewatch <laughs> the fifth element now because... It's a weird that movie. That seems like a bizarre comparison. <laughs> if you rewatched it, you, you would see what I'm talking about. Like the, But it has the, to be a better film, though. I mean, uh, not yeah, as beloved I, to me, but... I, w- I would say I would say better. better. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say better. But not but a lot. The only thing lot. I remember about the fifth element is... Our main character, some weird alien at some point, and the fact that I had a crush on the redhead. That's yeah, all I Mila, remember. <laughs> I remember the, her character's name, but Mila Jovovich is the, um, who was in the Resident Evil movies, I think, is one of the other things she's well known for. Um, oh. But yeah, she's, she was probably in her early to mid-twenties at that point, so, yeah. But very, very beautiful, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, you had Bruce Willis probably 10 or 15 years older than her at that point at least oh yeah i w- um, like as, as far yeah, as the actual young back then bruce willis yeah this was like mid to late 90s so he probably would have been in his 40s i think oh okay something well, like younger that. than now <laughs> yeah a little older than than me and you i think uh let's see <clears throat> so well so we don't get too far afield here how about we we read the plot here and what a plot and, uh, it is. We have we have pulled this synopsis from ye old Wikipedia because they they do. It, Wikipedia does a great job. We've we've used them a lot. And uh, anyway, we're gonna take turns reading paragraphs here and then regale you guys with the the story of <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Mario. So, <clears throat> following the impact of a meteorite into the Earth sixty five million years ago. The universe is split into two parallel dimensions. Oh, no! (laughs) Surviving dinosaurs escape into the new dimension, evolving into a humanoid race and founding the city of Dino-Hatton. Because why not? Did they even call it Dino-Hatton in the film? That's a good question. I don't know if they mentioned that. Uh, In 1973, a large egg and a rock are left at a Catholic orphanage the egg hatches into a human baby. What do you think the impact was on the Catholic nun's faith? <laughs> we could explore that, but let's get through this. <laughs> let's get through this plot synopsis first. Being as reverent as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty years. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, Twenty years later. Turn. Italian American brothers Mario Mario and Luigi Mario working as plumbers in Brooklyn. Okay, I'm going to stop now in case you can't understand what I'm saying. Are close to being driven out of business by mafioso Anthony Scapelli's construction company. I thought they were plumbers. Scapelli. Hmm? I thought they were. I thought he had a plumbing company. Their construction? Why would you call a construction company to come out and fix a dishwasher? Hmm? Um, I think it's one of those where he has his hand in, in many pots okay. so they had a plumbing company construction company a bunch of stuff luigi meets daisy a new york university archaeology student who shows him she has been excavating for dinosaur bones under the brooklyn bridge of all places <laughs> there they witness capelli's men sabotaging it by leaving the water pipes open mario and luigi fix it but iggy and spike henchmen and cousins of koopa 
the king of the other dimension. I have so many questions. <laughs> Kidnap Daisy and the brothers uh, pursue them through an interdimensional portal to Dino Hatton. <laughs> Daisy learns she is descended from dinosaurs and the long-lost princess of the other dimension. Her father was overthrown as king by Koopa, and her mother, the queen, was the one who took her, her being Daisy, to Brooklyn. Iggy and Spike realize that they lost Daisy's rock. In fact, a meteorite fragment that Koopa needs to merge the worlds, believing only Daisy can do so because of her royal heritage. Mario and Luigi rescue Daisy, aided by Toad, a good-natured guitarist who was devolved into a Goomba, a semi-humanoid dinosaur, as punishment for a protest. I almost feel like this plot synopsis is more coherent than the film. <laughs> Koopa's girlfriend, Lena, obtains the rock but dies merging the worlds. The worlds separate again when Mario, Luigi, and Daisy remove the fragment from the meteorite and Koopa pursues them. Mario and Luigi obtain devolution guns, which look like super scopes, and use them to defeat Koopa by devolving him into primeval slime. Daisy's father is restored as king somehow, and the citizens celebrate and immediately destroy anything with Koopa's likeness. That that turns out. Yeah, like out literally there. right away, they're like <laughs> painters are out there painting over the poster <laughs> within a few minutes. Daisy decides. <laughs> Daisy decides to stay in Dino Hat and kisses Luigi goodbye, because Mario, your princess, is in another castle. As she opens the portal <laughs> for him and Mario to return to Brooklyn. Three weeks later, Daisy arrives at Mario Luigi's apartment in Brooklyn because they think they're going to get a sequel and ask him to help her on a new mission. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this might be a good out well, I mean, it's the outline of the film, but it might be a good outline for us to, to go through and talk about things. So, <laughs> so the, the opening with the, the, it, it reminded me of a 90s computer video game. Yes, it did. Um, in fact, that's probably the the engine they used to create it. It was the like Oregon Trail. <laughs> not, not that. Not that bad. But well, sim yeah, I guess similar quality. It just makes you wonder why was they ran out of their budget on those cars. <laughs> yeah, so, like, so Mario asked the question, uh, what if the dinos did not all were not all destroyed? He's not Australian. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to do I'm trying to do Brooklyn here. I'm trying, you know, I can't. Oh, okay. Like, you know, what if the dinosaurs were not all destroyed? What if they? What if the meteorites somehow created a parallel universe in which the dinosaurs continued to evolve and for some reason evolved into humanoid? I, I think that had more to do with the production budget and the need to save money. Than anything else, <laughs> you know, the f the more people they can have without makeup, the better, right? Yeah, I was gonna. I, I really wanted to bring that up at some point. How did the dinosaurs evolve into humanoid mammal mammal humans? Yeah. How do we even say this? I, I know. Well, what's interesting? Carlos apes. How? Huh? Um, I'm certainly not an expert on on the theory of evolution or biological evolution, but as it as I've heard it. Uh, apparently, we do much further back than than our um, than where we branched off from a mutual ancestor that we have with other primates. If you go much further back, apparently we have reptilian history. 
so they say how they how they know that i don't i have no idea i don't know if it's the dna sequencing or how they come to that conclusion um, but i've heard that before um in fact the um the what's it, darn I'm, I'm rusty on my neuroscience but there's a part of our brain um that is known as the the lizard brain oh right i think i've heard of that so it's the part that regulates all our autonomic functions you, you mean know, like the your breathing uh, your blood circulation reflexes you know things like that the umblongata um, <laughs> uh, oh, the medulla I don't know if that's part of that system or not. Um, you you could call it. This is very simplistic, but the the lower brain, if you will. But um, it's it's what governs, I believe, our fight, flight, or freeze responses. Uh. Like when we when our body alerts us to danger and it reacts, even before we're consciously aware that our body is reacting. I believe it's the, if I'm not mistaken, the lizard brain that does Mine's that. broken. It so goes off too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a thing. Um, like, and that obviously our brains are, are so complicated, but that is a theory. So it's, so it's interesting. So in a sense, you could say like within this, within the storyline of, of this movie, nerds, we would love to find out who is on the other side of the microphone. There are multiple options by which you can connect with us. Our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook and YouTube as simply the irreverent nerds. Makes sense, right? And of course, we are on your podcast app. If you listen on Spotify, scroll down through the episode description and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? We welcome your feedback, including your constructive criticism. We also post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time on Spotify, so please feel free to jump in and give us your two cents. All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. That 65 million years ago, there was a branch created, and one of the branches got to grow in it within a parallel universe. But yeah, it's a little too convenient that they somehow evolved into beings that look just like homo sapiens yeah <laughs> that that's a little ridiculous i think but again it's probably to save money yeah on the production budget yeah and so so daisy who i also have questions about uh looks indistinguishable from every other human girl on the planet yeah, yeah you, you can't tell you can't tell um so the I broke Richard's brain. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm I'm trying to read the beginning of the plot here at the same time. Oh, so, sorry. So apparently, so Dino Hatton apparently is the only civilization in this alternate dimension. Like it's almost like an alternate planet. Like you see a globe at one point um, that Koopa is looking at. I think it's Koopa. Yeah. <coughs> and or it's like a hike. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's a representation of their world. So you, you have the city, and then everything else is desert, um, basically. So like the city is is the only it's civilization. Like, it's like Mad Max. Everyone gave up being pilgrims and just moved to the city. <laughs> yeah, no, I got I got a few Mad Max vibes. Like, and maybe that was on purpose. Um, but no, it reminded me of a lot of '80s films, uh, which is made in '93. So like right after that period. Um, so yeah, that. 
that makes sense that it would. What kind of movie were they trying to make? Do you ever get this feeling that the director or scriptwriters wanted to make an entirely different movie, but instead they were just told, oh, okay, you're making a Mario movie now? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, as far as like what they were aiming for, which it had potential, you know, that again, obviously they didn't quite pull it off, but it had potential because they were obviously trying to somehow bring it i mean it's live action so they were trying to bring it into the real world somehow so like mario and luigi don't live in a world with toad and walking mushrooms and bombs and you know um princess peach you know koopa they don't live in that world you know they live in brooklyn right so they they were trying to i guess bring it and attach it to our world somehow um night that could have worked, I think. Yeah. It, it could have worked. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff they did in this film. Uh, strange directions and choices they made, but it could have worked. Yeah, I think some of... And this is where, like, in, in reading up about this beforehand, one of the criticisms, I think Siskel and Ebert at the time... The criticism that they had was there was inconsistent tonality. Ah. So I think I think this is where it just goes too far over into goofy. You know, particularly I think of the like the car chases, like some of the car chases and like the mattress ride down the pipe, which was kind of fun on the one hand, but like 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 tonal tonally it's like it's it's like I'll be honest, and normally Alan Silvestri is great in terms of his music, but the music hurt this film, I have to say. And maybe Silvestri, from what I've heard, there were a lot of problems with the directors. They just were not easy to work with, Oh, at least according to Bob Hoskins, and I think at least one or two other people. Um, so maybe they, maybe Alan Silvestri had similar issues, and maybe he just didn't care. <laughs> he was just like, I'm phoning it in for a paycheck. But normally, normally he. Now this is obviously further back in his filmography, but the the music, the it was just bad. <laughs> um, and I think I think he did Forrest Gump, like like just like, r- literally the next year, which has much better m- music. I believe it's Silvestri. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. he was just doing this movie for a paycheck. He was actually. Like I want to say, I think he did the Back to the Future music. Really? Yeah. Well, oh, that was great. Yeah, so this, Great it just, things. now, one of the things with a composer, though, is that they, and some of that may have to do with contract work, I don't know, but they, they do have to work together with the directors, so if the directors don't know how to direct music, in other words, they don't know how to communicate what they want, or they're just stubborn and not willing to listen to a composer who knows more than they do about music, and they're just like, no, this is what we want. Either way, like, you know, I'm not necessarily blaming Alan. It may not have entirely been his fault, but yeah, the, the music didn't help, particularly in the action sequences. I think it just, it just, it was too goofy, a little too goofy. I think um, that took me out of those moments. Like they, they could have been better. Oh, well, even though there is sort of a, c- a bit of a comedic tone throughout the film, um, the tonality reminded me a, a bit of the. The um, the American Godzilla movie, huh. 
I don't know if you got any vibes of that this time around. I don't know what to say to that. The American Godzilla (laughs) film was Matthew Broderick. That was at least more believable. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little bit more, and um, and it 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 got. I own that one too. (laughs) It had similar tonality problems though, because it's like on the one hand trying to be somewhat serious, but then it just comes off goofy sometimes when it's not meaning to be. I think. Godzilla. (laughs) Godzilla. But then maybe that maybe that is similar to the tones of all the Godzilla movies. Though. Is that a fair to say? Well, that might be too big, <laughs> that might be too big of a tangent to go down. I forget what the all the movies. There was this big period of Godzilla films up until the seventies that were just way goofy, and they didn't. It was just that's just how the kaiju films were, right at that time period, I guess. Especially as Godzilla was becoming more kid-friendly. But that that's for a different podcast uh, episode. So, um... How about, how about... Let's get back on point here. Let's, yeah. let's get back to the plot. You, you asked the question. So we're going back to early on in the film here. I've got some notes on... We see a, a what we think might be a baby dropped off. Then it's an egg you know, dropped off with this, um, at this Catholic orphanage. And, um, you don't, s- you don't see the egg hatch right away. So at first I was wondering, like, is this Yoshi? Like, why, oh, okay. why is, why is a humanoid woman dropping Yoshi off at a Catholic orphanage? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, and then later, you well, that sorry. makes sense. I, I understand why you would think that because in Super Mario world, that's the only place we see eggs in the Mario movies. Yeah. Like and they Yoshi. Hatch Yoshi. Although, did that come out before this film, like the Super Mario World I no, think on Super Nintendo? I'm pretty sure it came out before this movie. Is it 92? Um, I mean, Somewhere this movie does include Yo- Yoshi later in it. Yeah, so I guess it must have... It was 1990 when that came out, I think, maybe. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, one of the best Mario games. My favorite. Of all time. Yeah. I did not have a Super Nintendo, but I played it enough at Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> that I know it's great. I beat the thing a nice. long time ago. Borrowed it from somebody. Um, and you know what? Talking about the video games and just what this movie gets right and wrong. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. With the nuns, though, we okay. Oh yeah, the I nuns. don't know where to Let's go. Let's get first, back to but, that. But you, but you said something about, I mean, you were kind of cracking a joke, but like how yeah. it might have changed their faith. Like it's like, is this the second immaculate conception? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was just a joke, really. <laughs> Baby in an egg. Um, at first, I thought it might be Luigi. I was like, is this Luigi? Um, but then we eventually find out it's it's Daisy. Um, did you have any more you wanted to say about that? No, no, I was just <laughs> cracking a joke. Yeah. Uh, but be my guest exploring that all you want to. <laughs> no, we don't need to go too deep down that rabbit hole. So were you surprised when there was a baby in it? I was, actually. Because, again, at, at first I thought, like, is this Yoshi? Um, so, yeah, I, w- I was a little surprised. Um, but not, not completely. I was like, okay, this is either Luigi. Um, but then once we start to figure out, you start to get hints that Daisy is more than just an NYU archaeology student. You know, I eventually put two and two together, and it's like, oh, that was her. It's like, okay. Yeah. 
It's a little, uh, since I've seen this thing a half a dozen times or more, I was not confused. But uh, speaking of Daisy, it's really weird. I mean, did you pick it up? The princess's name in the game is Princess Peach Toadstool. This is Daisy. Daisy only appeared in one video game, Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. And they chose her of all characters. And, you know, this actually did have an effect on the video games, apparently, because uh, after this, Daisy becomes uh, featured in the games during the N64 era onward and is the cousin of Princess Peach Toadstool and Luigi's love interest. Huh, okay. Um... Well, that's kind of cool, actually. Like some things from the movie made it into to the video game world. It's kind of cool. Kind of bizarre, be, but <laughs> I mean, I'm all for Luigi having uh, his own princess. But yeah, why not? Why should um, Mario have all the fun? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there were a lot worse things could have been taken out of this film. <laughs> yes. Although it would have been a little bit fun, I think maybe to see the Goombas in a in a Mario game. Have they ever made an appearance? I I, I can't think of one. It's like I've played Super Mario sixty four, which I would rate right up there with Super Mario World, excellent game. Brah. Um, but yeah, I can't think of ever seeing Goombas. Brah. <laughs> Goombas have been around since the first Mario game. Well, not the first Mario, the first Super Mario game. Wait, they're called Goombas? Yeah, they're called Goombas. They're those little brown mushrooms with the fangs that waddle on the ground. Oh, well, they they messed that up, then, didn't they? They did. <laughs> <laughs> Made them into like giants with tiny dinosaur heads. Yeah, isn't okay. that bizarre? I thought I had heard the term Goomba before, but it, but then they confused me with with having them have the dinosaur heads, and and uh, I guess it's it's been too long since I played Mario Brothers in any significant way. Fun fact, Goomba is also the Italian word for a thug. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Closer, So they decided to go closer to the Italian meaning than the, the video game meaning. <laughs> well, except for the fact they're all wearing brown coats and the Goombas are brown. That's about mm. the only connection. <laughs> and I guess they dance. Kinda. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the elevator... Dance scene. I, th- I think you best turned to me. Scene in the movie. Best scene in the movie. <laughs> and it and it and has more play after that too. Like what two or three times it actually yeah. plays a significant a significant role later on. <laughs> Plot device. <laughs> <laughs> that that and the pizza. Don't forget the pizza. That was just payoff. So <laughs> you thought we you thought we you forgot, thought we forgot you ordered the a pizza. pizza. No, it's in here too. <laughs> <laughs> we <didn't> forget. <laughs> I kind of liked that actually. That was that was fun. That was fun. It's like, where's my pizza? It's like, <laughs> it's like sir, your pizza's here, not now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love how they had to shoehorn that in just so they didn't have a loose plot thread. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, um, Dino Hatton. Oh man, so. M- Sorry, yeah. Another rabbit hole, but my brain just flashed to the uh, the dinosaurs sitcom from the nineties. Oh my gosh, yeah. Remember that? Not the mama. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was allowed to watch much of it, but it's just one of those things where you, you just see it around. 
you know, they were toys, I think of it, and, and, and like, um, but yeah, my brain just went to that. <laughs> Didn't John Goodman play the father, or there's just something about that character that reminds me of John Goodman? Probably because Roseanne came out around the same time. Yeah, probably, probably. and they both yeah. wore flannel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You never know, though. Oh, yeah. Didn't he? He also played Fred Flintstone in the, the yeah, Flintstone the movies, live right? The live action ones. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Rose, wait, who's his wife? Was Nicole? Was Nicole Kidman, was it? Was it Nicole Kidman? I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I know Rosie O'Donnell played Wilma. Yeah. Not Wilma. Um, Barney's wife. Whatever Barney's Betty. wife. Betty. <laughs> so, we're walking that dinosaur. I guess we should walk on back to Mario. Um, yeah. So Daisy learns she's descended from dinosaurs and the long lost princess of the other dimension. It doesn't cause her to have a breakdown at all. <laughs> so do we want to spoil um spoil it. Spoil, spoil the fungus. I like the fungus. Yeah, no, like the way they the way they wove it in there made it interesting. It was more than just, you know, toadstools sitting around them jumping off a t- you know, or eating one to get bigger or something. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you can go get one of those uh, mushrooms that make you bigger down at the pharmacy, you know. <laughs> uh, that's our sponsor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you can grow three inches with shrooms. <laughs> and <that's laughs> May have hallucinogenic side effects. <laughs> yes, but that only adds to the Ask experience. your doctor if shrooms is for you. <laughs> I just watched an X-Files episode in season two where shrooms were behind the whole thing. Nice, nice. Uh, by the way, this is a, a preview preview. Um, we are working on an X-Files episode for the podcast, and my wife is going to join us because she and I have been watching it together. We, we're just about to finish the entire series. We've been watching together since our first year of marriage. Um, wow. We're just about to finish season 11. Um, but yeah, like Will's going to join us too, but we're going to talk about season one of the X-Files. Um, so that, that may be next month. We'll, we'll see if we uh, we get it done in time, but it's, it's coming up. It's going to be one of our sci-fi features of the month, uh, which this is the sci-fi feature for this month, which I, I know we, we stretched that a little bit, uh, but this does definitely... I think you could call it sci-fi action adventure, right? Like sci-fi action. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean there are definitely <laughs> sci-fi elements in this film. Yeah. Like uh we haven't even talked about the evolution de-evolution rays and guns and machines yet. Oh yeah, yeah, like somehow King Koopa has developed the technology to de-evolve or we find out a little later in the film um evolve um citizens of his dino hatton speaking (laughs) of which uh when the worlds do merge and they cross over i know i'm jumping here a bit in the in the plot but they he de-evolves scapelli is scapelli a don does the monkey that was produced from scapelli is this Don Kong. <laughs> oh, that should be a meme now. <laughs> Dang it! I gotta find a picture. I gotta find a picture of that scene and 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 use that because that's good. 
He's a mafioso Don. That was definitely not something I picked up as a kid, but I, I picked it up coming into this. Just Hey, you come here today <laughs> on the day of my daughter's mating. And all you bring me is a banana? What do you think I am, a monkey? I'm a chimpanzee. I'm an ape. I'm not a monkey. Even though they called me one, I'm not a monkey. <laughs> Get that through your skull. <laughs> no. So, um, <laughs> what yeah, do we so talk the, about the, next? The devolution guns. So, so the first person or character who gets devolved is Toad, which I'm wondering. I need to look. Well, actually, let's look up the cast. Let's see if it says who played Toad, because I'm wondering if it was like a a well-known musician or at least someone who was well-known at the time. Mojo Nixon. Dun, dun, as dun. Toad. I have no... Who is it? He is an American. Uh, Mojo Nixon, born Neil Kirby McMillan Jr. Why he changed his name to Mojo Nixon. Right? Yeah. He's an American musician and actor. Best I wouldn't known for change his humorous, my name Nixon. irreverent novelty song, Elvis is Everywhere, which was an alternative staple on MTV. His style can generally be defined as psychobilly. Is that a thing? <laughs> Apparently so. It's a musical genre which blends rockabilly with punk rock. I have never heard this monstrosity <laughs> before. So I must go. So and they recruited learn. a, a psychobilly. He currently hosts Loon in the Afternoon radio show on Sirius XM. For those that still listen to Sirius XM, you uh, hey look, he was oh, he's born from, in yeah. He's from Chapel Hill. Ha! That's hilarious. He wrote a song called Jesus at McDonald's. <laughs> well, we have to look this up now. It's, it's got to be the song that plays when we close. <laughs> yeah, we need to find it. We need to find it. Um, get the rights or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So so Mojo Nixon plays Toad as we're introduced, but then for some reason, well, probably because he's like, I don't want to be walking around wearing a suit. Some dude named John Pfeiffer plays Goomba Toad. Because he gets uh, devolved into a Goomba. And even though his head is the only thing that gets devolved, his body becomes massive. I know. Like, his body gets, yeah, his body gets huge, but then his head shrinks. Either that or it's just disproportionate. It does, well, well, no, it is sure smaller. He's much taller. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's hilarious. I just saw Frank Welker. Really? Does Yoshi wow. and the Goombas. So Frank Wilker, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a very well-known voice actor. Look, look, Dan Castellaneta is, uh, the, narrator. is the narrator. <laughs> he's Homer Simpson. Yeah. And Frank Wilker, I'm sure he's done voices on The Simpsons. Oh, Let's I'm see. sure. <laughs> he's been on uh, Scooby-Doo, The Real Ghostbusters, a lot of things, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's He's all over the place. Transformers. Oh yeah, I think he does a uh, is Megatron. He does a bunch of voices in Transformers. Nice. Wow. So filmography on Wikipedia, like you got to go to a separate entry just to see his filmography. That's how much he has. Wow. But yeah, with voice acting, I mean, you don't have to invest as much as time as you would with live action, typically. Um, but yeah, like, ha, huh, that's great. If I remember correctly, he was Ray Stans and Slimer in Ghostbusters, but uh, the real Ghostbusters. But well, that's that's crazy. He was in this film. 
Lance Henriksen. Oh, okay, that's who that was. So, so the king. So I know we're jumping around, but like, so we find out the. F so you see throughout the the film that the fungus is intelligent because it's communicating with Luigi. It, it shows intent. Um, it does things to help Mario and Luigi on their quest. And we eventually, and this is actually a, a big reveal. Like we find out that the fungus is a person, namely Daisy's father, the former king, and he'd been devolved but kept alive by Koopa. Um, but then Lance Henriksen, like at the very end, he gets evolved back into his former self at the very end. <coughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell who it was because they only show him very briefly. But it's Lance Henriksen, who was in Aliens. Oh. Um, you know, he played... He played the uh, the android in Aliens. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, speaking of him being de-evolved into a mushroom fungus everywhere, do you think that's a reference to Super Mario Bros. 3 where all the kings were turned into stuff? Hmm. That was magic, though. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not? Okay. Although, I don't know. <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. They might have gotten some ideas from there. Um <laughs> I want to talk about this Daniela character just for a second. Who in the world is Daniela? Because watching this thing, I was just thinking, who, you know, as a kid, I didn't put that much thought into it. But as an adult, I'm just like, is this Pauline from Donkey Kong? Is this Mario's <laughs> first girlfriend? Uh, you're probably thinking too hard about it. <laughs> but it's Daniela. Who in the world is Daniela? Huh? Uh, I am thinking too hard about it. Well, since they since they grounded it in the real world, you know, and the the Mario brothers Mario. Uh, are living in Brooklyn, you know, and Mario Mario or Mario Mario is a little older. He's he's got a, a girlfriend, and and this is like something straight out of of an '80s movie with like starring Nick Cage or something. You know, he's got an Italian girlfriend. You know, she's got the the tight short dress. You know, yes. with the low cut top and then of course the brooklyn accent you know this very stereotypical um and I yet she's she's a nice person and and so is he so it's like but yeah <laughs> but i think they just should have called her pauline pauline <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah that that's, that's a me. that's a that's a stereotype i've seen in a lot of like 80s and, and 90s movies like the the um the kind-hearted but somewhat ditzy broad from brooklyn kind of kind of shtick you know so, um, I also want to talk about Big Bertha, but I don't want to hog the microphone. No, man, go ahead. So, Big Bertha, I had to look this up earlier earlier today because I didn't know is Big Bertha based on something from the video games, and apparently, yes, it's based on the giant fish from Super Mario Brothers Three that keeps <laughs> trying to eat Mario. So, in in the movie, Big Bertha is a bouncer. At the Boom Boom Club or whatever it's called, the Boom Boom Lounge. I don't know. And um, she has a thing for Mario. So I guess Big Bertha went from literally being a man eater to being figuratively a man eater. <laughs> yeah, her and her and um. <laughs> so I guess about the midway point of the film, Mario and Luigi have have to go to a club to get the the meteorite piece back from Big Bertha who stole it from them 
and uh yeah it was like it's like oh this is a little racy for a for a pg movie <laughs> 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 but maybe not i mean you dick tracy was pg i think so was roger rabbit so maybe not maybe not that much but it but it is a, a it is a club and there's some like mildly scantily clad yeah you know, nothing too too serious like but um but yeah it's a club and she's apparently the bouncer for the club <laughs> the boom boom club uh speaking of roger rabbit bob hoskins played in that too yeah he did yeah Around the same time, this was like the year before this, I think, or something like that. Right, ninety two. It was probably a much better film. I don't know. I've never <laughs> seen it. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, Roger Rabbit's good. Uh, you should. We should see it sometime. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. It's about the only time you'll be able to see Donald Duck and Daffy cuss each other out. Oh, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Speaking of, speaking of Disney characters cussing each other out. There was this, um, you know how like, um, well, you're not on Instagram much, but on Instagram, there's this, when people do reels, um, someone will, will do one with an audio that becomes popular and, and you can, you can take that audio and then use it on your own reel. So you can like redo it. You right. Can, you can lip sync to it if you want. Like TikTok. TikTok is it does like TikTok? That. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who, I don't know who originated it, Instagram or TikTok. One of them oh, it copied, doesn't matter. One of them copied the other probably. Um, but either way, they're probably um, all owned by the same company for all I know. Yeah. Who knows? Some conglomerate in China or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Zuckerberg's just a puppet. No. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, I lost my train of thought. You distracted me. I killed Richard's brain. What was I, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. So the, the <laughs> not that it's that important, but there was this one going around for a while. Um, and a bunch of people used it, um, for like pretending like they were staying at the Disneyland hotel, but the audio basically is like Mickey comes banging on. Oh yeah. I've heard that. Goofy's door. He's like, open up. You bleep bleep. <laughs> and you're like, Goofy, <laughs> open up you bleep. <laughs> <laughs> And they wake up, and they're like, what's going on next door? Oh, it's hilarious. But, um, I mean, I know we do have an explicit rating here, but, you know, it's pretty bad. But he's like, he's just banging on. He's like, Goofy, Goofy, open up. He's like, Mike me, bitch. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then Donald. <laughs> well, I mean, your impression, that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, it's like. Open up, you MFR. He's like, make me, bitch. And, and oh, my then, gosh. And then Donald gets involved. <laughs> I didn't know you could do Goofy. And, and it, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, you haven't seen my, my – it's actually on the Irreverent Nerds page. I, I, I did a, a Disney After Hours. I think I sent it to you, didn't I? I probably saw it but just forgot. Yeah. Um, I toned that down because originally I was thinking of like doing a, a recast of, of that audio. And then Laura was like, don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, she's like, yeah, she gets disturbed enough when I do Mickey Mouse, but then, <laughs> then he's like banging on the door and, and dropping f bombs. But yeah, they get in a fight, like Goofy and Mickey and Donald get in a fight in this in this audio. Uh, but what a lot of people did on Instagram was like they record themselves like laying in bed, and it's as if you know there's a fight going on at the Disneyland hotel. <laughs> it's like you know what you hear when you can't sleep. At Disneyland, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> open up the door. <laughs> you know, Donald. Yeah, and they. 
I think Donald gets in, and then Mickey's like beating Donald. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty bad, uh, but it's it's the first time I saw it. I just laughed so much. It was it's hilarious. This his, this Hispanic guy did his version where he's like laying in bed and like you know he gets progressively more and more shocked as it goes on. You know, I saw that. <laughs> did you see it? Yeah, yeah I saw that. It was, one. it was great. Um, anyway. Um, something made me think of that. I don't. I don't know where we left off. Sorry, guys. We we went another <laughs> down another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> My cheek shirt. <laughs> Speaking of going down rabbit holes, I mean, there's a sense in which this got some Alice in Wonderland vibes. Like they go down a hole, you know. And um, granted, it's a little different because they go through a rock into another dimension. But still, they had to go down the hole, you know, to get in. To get into Wonderland, so to speak, almost right. not, not so wonderful. Which Wonderland wasn't either, because uh, it was ruled by a evil queen. But yeah, so oh, <laughs> uh, what we should probably read our notes. What it, <laughs> what are some other things we should talk about? Yeah, let's get the notes out. We'll talk about that. Well, the bomb bomb. Did you notice the bomb bomb is the most game accurate thing in this entire movie? Oh yeah, although for some reason he's wearing Reeboks. <laughs> that's hilarious like his little i mean it's one of those like wind-up toys that walks you know and then right at the very end before the bomb blows up under koopa's feet like you see the bottom of the bomb's feet and it says rebox rebox <laughs> that's, that's probably hilarious it. oh that what what do you call that um the the marketing where they it's like in movie marketing i wonder how much rebox paid for that Oh, too much. That's how much they paid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> too much. But I thought that was hilarious. Though. I was like, Reebok? What? So um, here's a note I wrote down. Uh, in this movie, Koopa, he's called King Koopa. He's called President Koopa. Uh, and there are posters everywhere that says, vote for Koopa. Who was he running against? Did they even have a vo- someone else to vote for? <laughs> That's a good question. Was, I don't know. But then they also say he's already the president. So like. I guess he's running for re-election? I guess. Maybe Big Bertha was running against him. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No. I don't know. No, she was too alive. <laughs> She'd be uh, s- swimming with the desert fishes. <laughs> uh, so we did something I remarked on, and you agree with me. Um, this is going back more towards the beginning of the film, but Daisy's quite naive yeah i mean i know you could say well she had intuition about the fact that luigi and mario overkind her humans but like she literally just meets these guys and within like five minutes she's taking a ride in their in their plumber plumber van <laughs> like like she just met luigi you know and he, he gave her money for a payphone uh but then then she like hops in their van and then later like like that same night she goes on a date uh, a double date with them and then goes with Luigi to an isolated, you know, archaeological dig. And at first I thought they're just going to be there right in front of the broken bridge, but no, they go down in a tunnel, just the two of them. And I'm like, like, wow, this is, this is, for a girl that grows up in New York, this is really dumb. <laughs> I think she's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, young young and naive. Bad writing. <laughs> thank, thankfully, Luigi obviously turns out to be a good guy. Um, and maybe you can say, well, maybe she had an intuition for that, but Still, yeah, you, you don't do that with somebody you literally met that day. <laughs> we have a van. It's like, it's that like was from the last Frozen. Time they it's ever like, saw you got her. engaged to someone you just met? <laughs> it's like, you went down in, 
in a tunnel with someone you just met. <laughs> um, but again, it, it turns out it was it was fate. Fate. Because, uh, yeah, Luigi ends up saving the day, him and his brother Mario. Mario. <laughs> so, uh, you mentioned that uh, you were wondering who designed the Yoshi puppet. Yeah. I wonder if it, it probably says somewhere here, because it, it's the anime, because this is literally the same year that Jurassic Park came out, so I immediately thought of Stan Winston's production company, or Stan Winston's company, and uh, I'm going to look and see if it says, did, I don't know if you know. No, I don't know. Mm. Well, there's creature effects. Yeah, and, and they... they um, decent amount, like some CGI, definitely makes it in the film, and it, it's pretty decent, actually. Uh, let's see. Oh, looks like some of this was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Huh. Ha. I feel dirty now. <laughs> located the deserted Ideal Cement Company plant in Wilmington, North Carolina. Found the location a unique opportunity. Yeah, because Wilmington has, a like, quite a few, I mean, movies are made there, uh, the, probably the most famous thing to be made there is Dawson's Creek back in the day, a TV show. Oh, this is why it reminded me of Blade Runner. So apparently one of the people working in the film uh, was an art director for Blade Runner. So that's why it reminded me of, of Blade Runner. I was like, I was like, just the way they laid out the, the city. Yeah. It just, it evoked Blade Runner in my mind, like the original Blade Runner. Um, so this is why one of the same art directors worked on both films so that makes sense that makes sense looks like Patrick Tutopolis 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 Patrick Tutopolis was aware of the concurrent Jurassic Park production so he consciously designed the dinosaurs for Super Mario Brothers to be more cute and cartoon like with inspiration from Beetlejuice I have no idea how he got Beetlejuice out of that described Yoshi as an abstract fantasy T-Rex. Says producer, oh, this is cool. Producers from Jurassic Park visited the set and were so oh. impressed with the Yoshi puppet, they briefly considered hiring its engineers for a second Jurassic Park creature shop. Cool, yeah. Oh, that's I know, cool. like, it, it was up to the that level of quality, like, where they had the the robotic velociraptors, it immediately reminded me of that. Um, so I, I thought, like, maybe Stan Winston's studio was involved, but apparently not. Just some other very talented people. Uh, Patrick, lead creature designer and supervisor, Patrick Totopoulos. Hey, there's a interesting factoid. The Goombas were only background characters, but their final designs were so impressive that directors Morton and Jack Jankel promoted them to main characters with major stunts. What did this film, what, what was originally written to have taken place before this happened in this movie? What kind of film did we miss out on? There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, cool. The disintegration, this is like some trivia from uh, production. The disintegration effect for the interdimensional merge was inspired by the transporter from Star Trek. No surprise. Oh. It's different, but... Um, it's more like mm, being very pixelated or something. But yeah. Had more than 700 visual effects shots. So 
so the film was scanned with a digital intermediate. But apparently this was the first film to have used the software Autodesk Flame, which is now an industry standard for visual effects. So it, it broke some ground in visual effects, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it uh, did not receive very good critical response. No. Despite that, um, no. yeah, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes based on an average of 43 reviews. Uh, see, the site's consensus states, despite flashy sets and special effects, Super Mario Brothers, I'm going to keep saying that, Mario Brothers, Mario. is too light on story and substance to be anything more than a novelty. Let's see, Metacritic gave it 35 out of 100, so 35% based on... 23 critics indicated generally unfavorable <laughs> reviews. Uh, but audiences, at least on CinemaScore, gave it a B plus. And that's on a grade scale from A plus to F. So apparently it was popular, at least on CinemaScore, with audiences. I'm curious, IMDb usually says what the um, audience rating is. We'll say something while I'm looking for this. Well, um, I'm curious what the audience rating was in '93. <laughs> uh, but Rotten Tomatoes, what it is today. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, did you say bad. Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 28 percent, but that's based on an average of 43 um, critics' reviews. But their user reviews are, are pretty bad as well. It's 4.1 out of 10, and that's f with 57,000 reviews. So yeah. Just over 40%. Kind of looks like. It is growing in popularity, which makes sense because um, the there's not been a Super Mario Brothers movie since this. I don't think Hollywood probably got scared. Yeah. This <laughs> is, uh, I don't know if it's a rumor or if it's a fact, but uh, story goes that Nintendo was scared so much to make another movie that they have not. And until today, with Illumination putting out the new Mario movie this month. Yeah, and they, they had not done an, a film based on any of their properties until uh, the Pokemon film that came out right. a few years ago. That was like the first movie, period, they allowed to get made since this one. That, that's how bad, that's how much it scared them. <laughs> and, and it's a conversation for another time, but I'm confused if that's... Pokemon is Nintendo, or if it's Game Freak slash Pokemon Company, I mean, it definitely publishes on the Nintendo systems. But yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm there, I imagine, like, was Mario, like, a fully Nintendo, or fully. other? It was. Okay. Yeah, fully Nintendo. Zelda's fully Nintendo. Donkey Kong is fully Nintendo. Uh, Pokemon has an entirely different company behind it, but I'm not certain if... Um, it's owned by Nintendo. Th that, that's just where I'm confused at. I know that it's produced and owned by Game Freak, which I think was renamed the Pokemon Company. But um, anyway, that's for a different time. Yeah, so we're speaking of time, we're, we're coming up on the end of the episode here. And um, so we're going we're gonna to wrap things up. But yeah, we, we kind of bounced all around the place, um, but hopefully hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, and I, I did, like, we went a little hard on it at times, but 
I enjoyed this. It, it, and again, it's the nostalgia factor. Like so many 80s sci-fi movies, which I, I kind of have a, a soft spot for. Um, even even ones with Arnold. Um, Arnold. I mean, obviously Terminator is... I mean, there's some awesome 80s sci-fi, honestly. Um, but the production design reminded me a lot of that, which which makes sense. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I had fun. I had fun watching it. Now, I got a little bored in parts. You know, I think the some of the action scenes in particular were just not well done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some of the dialogue was was very clunky. Um, uh, Dennis Hopper was obviously mailing it in, and 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 by the way, why did he have dreadlocks? Why did he? They, I think it was it, supposed it was to look like <laughs> horn, horns or something, or scales. Yeah, scales. I guess. Yeah, it, it wasn't actual dreadlocks, but it, it looked pretty darn close. They they used like must have been some really powerful hair gel, <laughs> or he had a wig. I don't know because he has he doesn't have blonde hair in real life. Um. But yeah. <laughs> uh. So um, bef- before we close, I noticed. I just want to poke fun at this for a second. Mm-hmm. That one of the plot devices that gets the Mario Brothers crashed out in the desert is that the cars have no brakes. Mm-hmm. We even see a police car being stopped by a big rubber band-like thing. Oh, yeah. But then later when the bomb bomb's there, someone stomps on their brakes and the car just stops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's only certain cars that don't have brakes, you know. Y- yes. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll just say that that's the excuse. <laughs> so we're going to leave you with a couple of good quotes, uh, <laughs> both from Luigi Obviously, the the one that's probably the most well-known is Mario. You know, he's looking at Mario. This is like the penultimate scene. You're at the climax. You know, they're about to save the day. And he's like, Mario, trust the fungus. <laughs> but then the other is when um, when a character dies and she gets, like, embedded in the wall as a fossil. It's like, it's like he smiles. He's like, man, she really made an impression. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's some... Dark humor, Luigi. Very dark. That woman just died. <laughs> I know. It's like that's that's dark, man. Where you going? Where you going there, Luigi? We have to make this moment light for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. What I was, it was like, her hair even gets fossilized. You <laughs> saw that? Like Which she's like instantaneous. She looks like the alien queen there up on the wall or something. Like you know, <laughs> take take that take that science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking. I so thought fossils were supposed to take like a long time to be made. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it depends. There have to be certain certain uh, circumstances. Oh, okay. Um usually something cataclysmic because it has to oh. be buried very quickly under a lot of mud and pressurized and like it, so that it it just stays there. Well, I guess that um, was cataclysmic. <laughs> it was cataclysmic, that's for sure. So hey guys, so Super Mario. By by the way, something I, I found um, on the Wikipedia page they they referenced uh, information from a site which is dedicated. Uh, and apparently, it's been around since two thousand seven, but dedicated to this film, Super Mario Brothers: The Movie Archive. You guys should check it out if you are interested in learning more about this film. 
It's smbmovie.com. It's smbmovie.com. Looks like they're also on the social medias, on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And looks like they might have a podcast as well, but I'm not sure. It's an RSS feed. But yeah, there's quite a bit on there. I've not had a chance to look all through it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been around for a while. And they have merch as well. Like, uh, cool. If you want some, some t-shirts, um, I, I'm, I'm tempted to look into this myself. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now since I've seen it. Plumber alert! <laughs> this is the shrine by which we worship this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was a start. It was started by a fan of the film, and apparently, th- this site, like they, they were. I think you saw that too. Like they were responsible for, um, helping to get a, I don't know, if graphic novel or a comic. Oh, so like these a people sequel, are basically that. like a sequel made. Like they. They were involved in it. Like someone who is working in the industry helped them, but they did a lot of it, like in terms of cool. the writing and the story. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. I ju- it just came up in a Google search, and I was like, I'm going to look into that later. Yeah, so it's probably on the site here for sale, I would imagine. But yeah, they got they got posters, promotional flyers, all kinds of stuff on here, press kits. Toy catalogs from back in Neat. the day, toy brochures, sticker book. I mean, all kinds of stuff on here like they've, they've collected. Oh, look, a um, coloring book. <laughs> yeah, a Super Mario Brothers <laughs> coloring book. Like toys, music, home items, print media, oh, video um, releases, cards, and stickers. I remember those toys. Yeah, let's see. Toys, yeah. Uh, pogs. They got pogs. It's <laughs> 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 flashback. Very 90s. Now, what I want to know is, why does Luigi look black? Like, he looks like a black man. I don't know. <laughs> why is Luigi, like, 20 years younger than Mario with no mustache? <laughs> why is any of this well, a they, thing? They look, he actually, he looks like he's about the same age and, uh, with the toy here. But, yeah, he, he looks more black than uh, Puerto Rican. So, that, yeah, somebody goofed on the... Well, it's, not, it's also the, the facial, like, the design, too. It's not just the coloring. But yeah, we're like... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe old John was like, I must distance myself from this film. No, you may not have my likeness. <laughs> I can't believe they made a toy of the cop car. Nice. Yeah, they got, got quite yeah. a I mean, I imagine, you know, that th- I mean, that's probably, I don't know if the toys um, or DVD sales over the years have helped it to ever break even. Like, it, it didn't make enough money on its film run to break even. It, it lost, like, upwards of, like, at least $4 million uh, the budget is reputedly anywhere from forty-two to forty-eight million, so it lost at least four million, just based on the budget. And then that doesn't always include marketing costs either. So, uh, but I am curious if if the toys and and DVD sales over the years have helped it ever break even. I um, mean, possibly the DVD yeah. sales because it, it has become, as as they say, a cult classic over the years. Which we we watched it on DVD. We got it off Amazon for four bucks. Four bucks. And um and yeah, it actually I have a Blu-ray player, so it upscaled it a bit, probably up cool. to maybe 720p, and it looked pretty good actually. Um, I mean, it didn't have much CGI in it, so I think that helped. Was mostly you know because some of those, um, some of the it you know the quality even reminded me like I have a Blu-ray of Tim Burton's Batman, and the um quality reminded me of that like even on DVD. So, so yeah, don't don't bother springing for the Blu-ray if you want to <laughs> buy it. Just get the DVD off Amazon. It'll it'll, it'll suit you because you won't be able to find it on streaming. I couldn't find it anywhere on streaming, uh, even to rent. Like I couldn't even find it to rent. Like we were looking the other day, we couldn't find it. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not even on YouTube. Oh, well, there was one on YouTube where a guy recorded 
like took a video camera and recorded his TV while he was watching it on yeah, TV. Yeah, well, <laughs> we do, you don't want to watch that version. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and it was like in, in like 20 parts or something. It's only a good thing that I wanted to own this movie. And after watching it, I mean, I was just on pertinent pure nostalgia. After watching it, I'm glad I didn't spring for the Blu-ray, but this baby gets to go home with me. <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking at Samantha Mathis. You know, Wikipedia, when you highlight something, it has a little blurb on it, a link to it. It's other. She was apparently the vice president for actors and performers of the SAG-AFTRA, which is the uh, Screen Actors Guild, from 2014 to 2019. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Anyway, random trivia for you. Right I'm, at the end I'm glad they weren't prejudiced about her starring in this film. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, she probably did enough after that to, uh, <laughs> yeah and apparently her yeah anyway <laughs> i pick i pick but yeah I, I do i do wonder if the husband and wife rocky morton and annabelle yankel uh have ever done anything since that this may have ruined their career i heard it did i heard it did ruin their career looks like they started or annabelle started as a video uh, a music video director wait oh <gasps> <laughs> Rocky Morton is the co-creator of the TV series Max Headroom. Why does that sound familiar? Oh, uh, it's this big thing from the 80s. Um, is that guy... Oh, uh, dang it. <laughs> I have to look it up now. Uh, sorry, guys. We're, we're going on too long here. Um, but... <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Max Wasn't Headroom. that from... Oh, no, I thought that was there from was Back like to a the Future for a second. There. Well, there was a version of it that you used to see on, I think it was Burger King commercials or something. I, I don't quite remember, but yeah, but that's the thing back in the... Oh, no, 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 I know what it was. MathNet on PBS had like a knockoff of Max Headroom oh. segment. Did you ever watch MathNet on PBS back in the day? Was that ring a bell? Was that about... It was like a, a playoff of parody of Dragnet, but... With math. D was that a cartoon? No, it was a uh, live action. No, I haven't seen it then. Math net. Wow, I haven't thought of that in ages. Hey guys, so thank you for taking this walk down nostalgia lane with us for a bit, and uh, we hope you enjoy the episode. And and yeah, like if you've never seen it, it's worth watching at least once. You know, uh, especially if you're into eighties, nineties nostalgia, it'll bring you back to your childhood, whether you saw it back then or not. It'll remind you enough of other movies that came out around that time. You'll be like, yeah, you'll you'll take a walk down nostalgia lane. Dark, dark corners of nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> With too many really weird cop cars. All right, dear friends. May the fungus be with you. Glug, 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 Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. If you would, consider following us on Instagram. We are there at irreverent underscore nerds. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up there at 
The Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page. We have a YouTube channel as well. Once again, The Irreverent Nerds. Nice and simple, right? And if you go to www.irreverentnerds.com, that will send you to our podcasters for Spotify, formerly Anchor.fm profile, where you can send us a voice message if you want to support us financially or listen to the podcast. It will also direct you to other places you can listen, like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you name it. So like, comment, subscribe, follow, all those good things, wherever you find us, wherever you listen to us, we would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, nerds, live long and prosper. Avengers Assemble! I'm Batman.